So today's Sunday, which means that tomorrow is... It's Monday, right? It's back into the week, back into the work week, back into the school week, whatever we do on a weekly basis. We're getting back into the grind of that tomorrow. And every Monday morning, I see all kinds of posts or tweets or Facebook things or this or that about Mondays. Not many are positive, right? Not many people are excited to start the next week getting back into the grind of what we do every week Monday through Friday, and I understand it, right? Sometimes work can be hard. Sometimes it can be maybe a little bit boring, uh, monotonous, whatever we want to call it. Sometimes our bosses, those that we work for or those that we work with, are less than pleasant, and it's not always ideal, and I understand that. And in fact, I've been in one of those situations. It's not now, so we don't need to email Pastor Fleming, but back in high school, right, I, I was in a situation that I didn't love when it came to work. When I was uh, about 17 years old, my dad decided that it would be a good idea for me to learn how to work hard, because apparently I didn't know how to work hard, Dad. Uh, it would be a good idea for me to work hard. So he, he graciously worked hard and got me a job at one of his friend's places. Now, his friend's place just happened to be a tire warehouse. So as a 17-year-old, all summer long, I was locked away in the back of a tire warehouse stacking tires all day long. I was in a constant state, six, six days a week, 12 hours a day, I was always exhausted, right? My body hurt. I didn't love it. And because my body was exhausted, you could probably say that mentally or emotionally, I didn't have the best attitude. My parents would say I had a terrible attitude um, through the whole thing, but, but I had a terrible attitude, and this is why because I missed it, or I missed the point of why I was there. I missed the point of what God had me doing as I worked a job that I didn't love around people that I didn't really know or didn't really connect with. I missed the point. I didn't realize that it mattered to God how I worked. I didn't realize that it mattered to God how I stacked those tires, how I conducted myself in that warehouse. I didn't realize that I missed it and was unaware that my work then, that my work and that our work now could be, actually should be done in a way that brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that in our text this morning. If you've got your Bibles, open up with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 6 again, starting in verse 5 and going through Verse 9, and if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, just to remind us and catch us up, at the end of the book of Ephesians, Paul is outlining different relationships that we might find ourselves in, believers then and believers now. Two weeks ago, we looked at the husband and wife relationship. This past Sunday morning, we looked at the relationship between parents and their children, and this morning, we're looking at another relationship that I would, would guess all of us find ourselves in on a regular basis to see how Paul addressed it then and how it applies to our lives each and every day in the here and in the now. We're going to see that what we do isn't just a job, but that all of our life, all of our life is a response to our relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to see in God's word this morning that when we work, we've got to remember, and this is the key, this is the phrase, when we work, we're working for Christ, no matter where we're at or what we're doing, right? So here's the first test. When we work, we're working for, we're working for Christ, and we've got to remember that, and we're going to see that in the text today. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 5, says this, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ, 
not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Jesus, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. And masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, this morning I pray that that as we read, that through your Holy Spirit, God, you would help us to understand what it is you're calling us to do, God, and that we would walk it out in our lives, knowing that wherever you send us each and every day, God, whatever opportunities we have, God, they're from you. And that ultimately, Father, we're working for you. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So like any passage of God's word, for us to understand it and begin to work our way towards application of it, we've got to understand the words that are used in our Bibles. In this text, we see two relationships that are outlined. We see the, the bosses, right, the masters, and that's pretty self-explanatory. It's the person that's in charge, right, the, the one that's calling the shots, the one that's directing you or anyone else in what we're supposed to do on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. But the other person that's mentioned here is bondservant, right? We need a little bit more explanation for that. Your Bible, if you have an NIV, actually, your Bible might use the word slaves. And I want to address that with two thoughts as we understand how this text applies to us today. We've got to remember that in Paul's context, he's writing to the ancient city of Ephesus, right? A very different city than Houston, right? Some similarities, but a lot of differences. And in that city, probably one-third of the city would have found themselves in the position of a bondservant at that time for any number of reasons. And in his letter here, Paul's writing to the church. He's not affirming that relationship. In fact, he's teaching us how to live out the call of Christ in whatever relationship we might find ourselves in, giving us instruction how to live as a Christ follower. And the second thing I want to leave us with on that word is this. This passage right, is not affirming slavery. Some people would look at this passage from a long time ago and say, here's an example of why it works or why it's wrong, but we know that's not the case. As Christians, we know that slavery was wrong then in Ephesus. We know it was wrong in our country just over 150 years ago. And listen, we know it's wrong where it exists in modern day as well. So listen, as you read your Bible and you look at the text, just a natural question that pops into your head could be this. When Paul's writing saying to obey those in positions over you. Is Paul affirming slavery? The answer is no. Right? God's word is so clear that each and every one of us are created in the image of our creator. In fact, a proper understanding of this text that that I hope we leave with this morning, by the way, a proper understanding of this text, we see that this passage undermines the very idea of it. And we're going to see that as we unpack it together. Look back in your Bibles at verse 5. Right, the first word there in verse five, it's bondservants. Right, in the letter, the bondservants are addressed first, and, and for Paul to do this would be unprecedented in his day in any kind of letter like this. Oftentimes, right, the bondservant would have no ability, no reason, no way to reply to or to live out the instructions that are in the letter. So, why we've got to ask ourselves, would Paul address them, but not only address them, address them first in the letter? By addressing them, 
Paul's including them. Right? By addressing them, Paul's bringing them to the table. By addressing them, Paul's acknowledging them and reminding everyone else in the room that they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Just as much a part of the Christian congregation, just as much a part of the church family as their master would have been. And listen, I want to just make sure we know and we're clear that that is truly revolutionary for the days and the context in which Paul were to live. And we know that our context is very different than 2,000 years ago in Ephesus. But we can see here principles that apply to our daily lives as well. In this text, we've got a clear relationship between people doing the work and people that are calling the shots about the work. Right? We all fit into one of these at one level or another. I know a lot of our students have jobs and working jobs, maybe not warehouse jobs like I had in high school, but... Right? I know there's a lot of you are, and you're working very, very hard. Some of you are sitting there thinking, not me. I don't have a job yet. I haven't been blessed with that opportunity yet. And if that's you, I want to encourage you, wait for that blessing as long as you can, because you've got a lot of work ahead of you. But school is your job right now. Right? School's your job. And it matters to God how you do that job, just like it matters to God how each and every one of us do the job that he's called us to on a daily basis. So in these verses here, we see four distinct commands about how we can glorify Christ in our work. And the first, it's found in verse 5. It's very simple. We can glorify Christ by working respectfully. Look back at verse 5. Bond servants, obey your masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Paul tells us to obey the one that's giving us to work with fear and trembling, not to be physically afraid of our boss, not to be physically afraid of the one who might be over us, but to, to obey them with a sense of respect and with a sense of, of fear, right? This deep respect. And the question that, that flows out of that is, well, how much respect, right? How much respect should I give my boss? How much respect should I give these other people at work? And we can find the answer if we just finish the verse, right? Look back in, in your Bibles at the end of verse 5. It says, to do this as you would to Christ, so as we finish the verse and as we think about the respect that we're supposed to carry into our jobs, into our offices, we see that we're supposed to work with respect and sincerity the same way we would as if Jesus Christ was our boss, as if he was the one that was sitting in the corner office. And I don't know about you, but that changes everything about the way that we work. That changes everything about our attitude and our heart towards the boss that we have. Listen, for, for us, as we read this text, it's no longer about a boss that we might not like. right? It's no longer about a boss that we might not get along with. It's no matter about a boss who, who we might think is unfair, who we might think plays favorites. It's not about a boss that we might think we're smarter than or have more experience than. And listen, a lot of us in here are, maybe are shaking our heads a little bit right now, and I hope that your boss isn't sitting behind you somewhere. But, but the whole point of this is even if all of those things are true, even if it's all true, even if we really struggle there, God's Word calls us to work for them with sincerity and respect, like we're working for Christ. Listen, this is a big idea, right? Paul's calling the believers in that church, he's calling us as believers today to change masters. He's calling us to change bosses without necessarily changing jobs. Look down at verse 6. 
Paul writes, not by the way of eye service, right? So we're working with sincerity, we're working with respect, just like we would for Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Jesus Christ, doing the will of God from our hearts. Listen, see what Paul does there? It's not about being a people pleaser, right? We're called to work for Christ. Again, as this letter hits the church, as the people in Ephesus, whether bond, servant, or free, are reading this verse, no one's job situation changed, right? No one left one place of employment for another as a result of this letter, but they took the letter to heart, and they began to do what it says. And I think that, that we should all do that. Take God's word to heart and seek to do everything we can to apply it to our lives and to begin doing what the word of God tells us to do. So we are working for Christ, not to please others, but to please him doing his will. And as we do that, of course, we're going to do it respectfully. We see that in verse 5 and in verse 6. We see we should do it constantly. Because it's about pleasing him, not other people. Now, I'm sure that in our experience, whether school or work, all of us at some point have been alongside or worked with someone that we would label a people pleaser. Right? Am I right? I mean, think about a people pleaser. What does a people pleaser do? They try to please people, right? It's in the name, right? They try to please people. People pleasers please people, right? At work, they generally would try to please the boss, Right, the person that's in charge, which means that when the boss comes around, their work is going to be completely different than when the boss is not there. Right? Do you see that? Can you think about that in your context? When the boss is around, people seem to work just a little bit differently. The dynamic shifts. The work is a little bit harder. It's faster. It's more focused because the one that you know, we're trying to please is sitting right there watching us. Right, if I think back to, to my work in my uh, really fun tire shop, I think about a guy named Lester. And he was my boss. And he was big, and he was loud, and he was mean, and he was a little bit scary, to be real honest. When Lester was there, I worked really hard. Everybody worked really hard because we wanted to please him. Right? We wanted him to look at us and say, you're doing a great job. We wanted him to, to give us an extra break. Right? We wanted him to approve of what we were doing. And to be really honest, I wanted him to approve of what I was doing so that he wouldn't yell at me. Right? I was trying to please him, but I missed it. Right? When Lester was gone, the dynamic changed. People worked slower. People weren't focused. Not everybody really cared about what they were doing. There was one guy, right, that cleared out this spot in the back of the warehouse in the middle of a bunch of tires, and he would go to sleep when the boss wasn't around, right? He would take naps surrounded and tired, like just this rubber fort that he would build like a little kid, and he would sleep when he could get away with it. Here's just a direct application for me as I think about my work then, as I think about my work now. I didn't work for Lester, Right, reading God's word here, I see that I worked for Christ. Right? My, my level of effort and dedication should have been to please Jesus, not Lester. It should have been to please my Savior and not an earthly boss that I was working for day in and day out. It's true for me then, it's true for me, and it's true for each and every one of us now. Our effort, our drive, our dedication, the way that we work is all about pleasing our heavenly Father. Colossians 3, 23 and 24, a lot of us might have it memorized, says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, right? As working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. The Bible said it's the Lord Christ you are serving, 
The Bible's so clear on this. We work for Christ, right? We work for the Lord, and it's true of all of us. And as we read this text, I mean, let's go slow, and let's see what Paul's doing here. He's breaking down maybe this mental block that some of us have. He's removing this sort of compartmentalized mindset, reminding us that our performance and our earthly task, right, whether we're students or teachers or businessmen or whatever profession we find ourselves in, that, that all of that is related to Christ's rule in our hearts. It's related to Christ's rule in our lives. Listen, there, there's, no, there's no spiritual life and work life that's separate. All of life falls under the umbrella of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And all of our life should be done with the heart that drives the effort to please him and not to please men. And when we get that, our attitude's going to change. When we get that, we're going to go about our work just a little bit differently. Look down at verse 7 as we continue to read. It says when we get that, we're going to render service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. So we've seen that, that, that what we do for Christ, it, it's naturally going to put us in this position of goodwill. We're going to have a cheerful attitude. So Christians, believers, children of God, followers of Christ, we should work cheerfully. Right? We should work with a smile on our faces. We should work with a joy that's coming up from our hearts, from our love relationship with Christ. Right? Think about Chick-fil-A for a minute. When you go to Chick-fil-A one or two or three or however many times a day you go, right? what is it that you can count on them saying? What are they going to say? My? You've been there. Me too. My pleasure. Right? So you say, thank you for my food, and they say? You say, thank you for rescuing my kid from the top of the play place when he got stuck, and they say, my pleasure. You say, thanks for the drink, and they say, my pleasure, over and over and over again. They do it. They're cheerful. They're excited about the opportunity to serve, or they're really well trained, right? It, it looks like they're excited about the opportunity to serve, but, but listen, as believers, as children of God, as followers of Christ, we have the incredible pleasure. We have the privilege. We have the joy of serving him. It doesn't matter our personality type. It doesn't matter if we're an introvert, if we're an extrovert, if we like to be around a lot of people, if we don't like to be around a lot of people. When we're serving Christ, we're, we're doing it with a joyful heart because of what he has already done in us, right? It's this natural thing that flows out of us into every area of our lives. We're doing it because he's our savior. He's our Lord. And the incredible things he's done for us but we're also doing it because we know he has something for us. Look at verse 8. <coughs> it says, Knowing whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or free. So we read this text. Our work, it should be respectful. It should be constant. It should be cheerful. And as believers, we should work expectantly. Right? We should work with these great and high expectations, knowing that God doesn't miss anything. Paul tells us right here that God sees and that God will reward his people for working with the right heart and the right attitude. Earthly bosses are going to miss things. They're not always going to see the things that we do. They might not always recognize our hard work. They might criticize us. They might take advantage of or take credit for the work that we do. That's going to happen, right? That's a reality of the world <laughs> that we live in. 
But our heavenly boss promises us here that he's going to reward us for the good that we do. So I want to encourage us to keep working, but to change bosses. Let's do our work for Christ. And as we do our work for Christ, I promise that's going to change everything. And the Monday morning attitude, the Monday morning alarm clock, the Monday morning post, the Monday morning greeting with whoever it is that we're greeting at the office is going to change into an attitude of joy and excitement for what God is allowing us to do. And as we move into verse 9, we see that Paul addresses bosses as well. Look at verse 9. It says this, Masters do the same thing to them. Another revolutionary thought in Paul's context. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there's no partiality with him. So we see that just like we can glorify Christ with our work, we can glorify Christ with our leadership. The question is how? Look at verse 9. The exact same way, right? The way that, that a boss or a master should lead is directly related to their relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're in a position where you lead people, if you're in a position where you have people that work for you, we've got to remember that it should be done with respect and a cheerful heart, not through threats, not through intimidation, but through your relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's another game changer in this letter from Paul to the city of Ephesus and from Paul to us as believers now. We should do that because we're all on the same level. Right, if you read verse 9, it says, whether bondservant or master or boss or employee, verse 9 tells us, reminds us all that, that no matter who we are, Jesus Christ is master and Lord of us both. We don't see one group of people elevated over another group of people here in this letter. Everyone here is at the table. Everyone here is on the same level created in the image of God and should be treated as such. So as we take this passage to heart, we see that it's going to make us, it will make us better workers, right? Believers, Christians, followers of Christ in your office tomorrow or this afternoon if you're going today, we should stand out in a major way, right? We should look different. We should be different than the other people that we're working with. Our relationship with Christ changes us and that carries into every single thing that we do. Working hard, always giving 100%, not complaining about the work that we do and doing it full of joy. And I promise as we work like that, we're going to stand out. I promise as we work like that, people are going to notice. And it's all because of who we're working for. As I read the text this week and as I thought about how believers, as followers of Christ, we should work, I had this thought that companies shouldn't be recruiting at colleges, they should be recruiting at churches because of the way that believers would go and carry themselves in the workplace. <clears throat> this short passage, we see there's no separation between our secular work and our sacred work. No separation between our secular jobs and our sacred work. <clears throat> what God's called us to do. No difference between our earthly boss and our heavenly boss. Whatever we do every day, business, teachers, students, wherever God's placed us, whatever God has us doing, we should do it as servants of Christ and for the glory of him. So let's remember that we work for Jesus. And every day when we wake up, wherever God sends us, however we're working, let's work for Christ. I can't go back tomorrow 
and work in that tire shop. I think my reputation would come with me. I think they would see that I'm out of shape and I couldn't lift a tire anymore. But, but I, <clears throat> I can't go back. But I can go to work tomorrow with the right heart and the right attitude, <clears throat> ready to do the right thing. And you can too. Tomorrow morning we can wake up, we can go where God's called us, and we can work for Christ. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.